this cold Sunday morning. Grab your hymn books now. Stand to your feet. Uh, everybody, let's stand and sing together. Brother Ken, come lead us this morning. Amen. Page number 56 in your blue song book this morning. Hymn number 56. When we all get to heaven, we'll do the first, second, last verse. Hymn number 56 this morning in your blue song book. out of the audience so you men get ready here we go all right but let's open up in prayer today i want you to ask, pray especially this morning i was sharing downstairs in the sunday school class uh for uh, uh brother carl's family and of course brother curtis they've got to make some end of life decisions today so pray for that rattler family if you would i know they'd appreciate it we got a lot of folks still out sick today we're glad you're here let's ask god's blessings upon the service uh, i'm pleased to report to you that even before services began, uh, Mr. Renee was able to lead a young teenage girl to the Lord here at the church. Uh, so praise the Lord for that. We're asking for God to do even more today. Brother, you come open us up in prayer if you would. blessings upon the services here today. Save that one in its nearest eternity. Thank you for the one that's already been Amen. saved this morning. God, we just pray now, God, for the Radcliffe family, and yes. God, that you might uh, be near and dear to them uh, this day, Lord. Just uh, be up our church, Lord. Just uh, help us all to slip up closer to yeah. thee. Do more for you this year than we did last. God, we just thank you and praise you for all the blessings of life that you give us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Sister Charlotte Thomas, wave your hand. I want everybody to see you. I mentioned this on Wednesday. Sister Charlotte, went, yeah, man, she's, she's elated. She went to the doctor Wednesday, uh, or to the surgeon, for another round of cancer surgery. And uh, they went in to do the operation, and the tumor was gone. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Trials of life 
often will bear down on us, but if you reflect back upon how good God's been, the past is a promise that he'll take care of you. You listen to Brother Scott as he sings.
choir, wonderful job. Uh, choir practice next Sunday, a week from tonight. I uh, had to push that back one week. And if you're an uh, active member here of our church, we'd sure love to have you join us. We'll practice next Sunday at 445. Only requirements is that you're a faithful member of our church. Uh, and uh, we sing by letter, open out and let her rip. Amen. So uh, you come join us uh, next uh, th uh, Sunday at 445. Uh, let me also extend my appreciation to the gentleman. Uh, who came out yesterday morning bright and early and uh, helped us uh, uh, get everything taken down and set back up. If you're sleepy-eyed this morning, fellas, we still have the coffee from yesterday. We'll heat it up for you. Uh, we forgot to throw it away, so it's really good and strong today. Uh, amen. Uh, so uh, thank you, fellas, for helping us out with that. We sure do appreciate it. Let me also remind folks to thank you for those that have signed up for our Cornerstone Baptist College meals for the spring semester. Uh, the sign-up sheet is here at the front now uh, that we've taken stuff down. I've got space for that. If you'd please sign up as soon as possible so that we uh, know what we have left to fill in. Keep that in mind. And then also I've given you the 2018 highlighted calendar of events. These are the big, big tent pole services throughout the year. This is, of course, by no means all of everything, but these are sort of the tent pole services uh, that we build our calendar around. And I'll call your attention this year. We backed up our end of summer jubilee uh, to the first week of August on Sunday morning. Uh, we will, of course, have our civil servant Sunday. Brother Heath will be here preaching again for us. Uh, and then we will have uh, Brother C.T. Townsend, the 5th through the 8th. Uh, Kyla Rowland and Deliverance, that's the first Sunday in uh, first week in August. Uh, we're looking forward to that. Go ahead and mark your calendars uh, so that you've got that information uh, uh, as always. Uh, and then we've got new items that we've given for our Grace Network. Keep that in mind. And finally, I want to say another thank you to everyone who gave to the family. Uh, for uh, the, 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 that had lost everything in the fire. Uh, they were blown away by everything that we were able to give and their generosity. And I needed to correct something that I had shared a couple of weeks ago. I had told you that it was the father that was in, in the hospital. It's actually the 14-year-old boy. Uh, that's in the hospital, and he remains uh, in uh, really difficult uh, standing, as you can have thir second and third degree burns all over his body, uh, but good good spirits, so we praise the Lord for that. They know the Lord, uh, and we thank God for that as well, but you continue to lift up that family if you would. All right, let me get all the young folks that are heading to Children's Church and Junior Church. Now we've got our penny stuff back out here, so we're going to do our penny march. Uh, if you are visiting with us, any loose change that you've got, we collect this for our ladies programming for the upcoming ladies jubilee so this is your opportunity to give uh, anything you've got take off young folks
everybody here at the Children's Church. Make your way today. to this ministry we sure appreciate it and this goes a long way to helping our annual ladies jubilee we're sure looking forward to that and i'll remind you if you haven't picked up your tithing envelope boxes if you need those if you don't use the online system you can see brother scott sister Teresa, for that all right fellas make your way down this morning ladies you will play for us if you would uh, you be obedient unto the lord with his tithes and your offerings god will bless you for it and uh, let's pray together as uh, we collect our Sunday morning offering. Lord, it is with humble hearts we thank you for the opportunity to give obediently that which you've blessed us. Lord, you love a cheerful giver, and we're honored to be able to give back that portion with which you've given to us. Bless the offering. May it be what you'd have it to be, our preaching time to come. In Christ's name, amen.
All right, thank you so much. In your Bibles this morning, 1 Samuel, please, chapter 18. 1 Samuel, chapter number 18. Several verses that we're going to look at. We're going to look at four or five in that chapter, various verses. 1 Samuel, chapter number 18. We will begin in verse number 5. We'll jump around a few verses calling out a few particular words that will become the thrust of the message this morning. 1 Samuel 18, you found your place, say amen. Verse number 5. Verse 5. David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, behaved himself wisely. Saul set him over the men of war, he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. It came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, of course that is Goliath, that the women came out of all cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with music, excuse me, with joy and with instruments of music. Women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. Jump down to verse 13. Let's go to verse 12. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, was departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from him, made him a captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. Verse 15 says, David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. The Lord was with him. Verse 15 says, Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. Verse 16 says, But all Israel... And Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. Jump now, if you would, to verse 29. Saul was yet the more afraid of David. And Saul became David's enemy continually. Verse 30. When the princes of the Philistines went forth after, and it came to pass after they went forth, that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. I think perhaps you've noticed a theme in those few verses that we've looked at. Several occasions in describing David, the Lord said he behaved himself wisely. God says something one time, we ought to pay attention. But if he emphasizes it over and over and over, we know we really ought to pay attention. Saul as we've learned in Scripture, is at this point afraid of David. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And despite that fear, and in 
And in spite of the popularity, popularity, in spite of all the things that are surrounding him, the Lord said that David behaved himself wisely. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this portion of Scripture that, that, that you've allowed us to look at this morning. Lord, as I said a minute ago, we know that every word in this precious book is, is inspired and it's important. Lord, we also understand that if you say something repeatedly, that means we ought to really pay attention to it. Lord, I pray that as we go through the message this morning and as I deliver the outline that I believe you've given us, Lord, that you'd help us to listen with fresh ears. Lord, may we take in everything that is said, not because I'm saying it, but because, Lord, you ordained the foolishness of preaching as your instrument of communication. Lord, I pray that you would save that sinner. Lord, thank you for the one that you've already saved this morning. Lord, we ask that you do it again, that you draw every one of us as believers closer to you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. When I was a child growing up, and especially as I got into my teenage years, whenever I would leave home, whether it was to go out with friends, to go out on a date, just to go out to the football game even, my mother would always say the same thing as I left the house. Son, oftentimes it would be honey, <laughs> be careful, be smart. Be careful, be smart. We all know what that phrase, be careful, means. But I was up in my college years before I realized that my mother's phrase of be smart was not a common one that was used across the South. In fact, to put it in perspective for you, during my freshman year of college, my parents had came up to William and Mary and taken my roommate Ivan and I out for an evening meal. And as they dropped us off back at the dorm, my mother said the same thing, Greg, honey, love you. Be careful, be smart. So we're back in the dorm room, and Ivan looks at me, and he said, Greg, what did your mother mean when she said, be smart? I'll pause a moment and say that in my mother's vernacular, be smart has nothing to do with mental intelligence. You can be as dumb as a box of rocks and still be smart, according to my mother. To be smart... To had nothing to do with what went on up here, but in fact had everything to do with how you conducted yourself. When my mother said to me, be smart, what she was in fact saying was, behave yourself. Don't do anything stupid. Remember who you are. And I think underscoring all of it was, don't embarrass me and your daddy. Even as an adult. This became so much part of her vernacular, even in the last days of her life. Uh, it became something of a joke between the two of us. Uh, I would leave the hospital or I'd leave her house and go to work or whatever, go back over to my own house next door, and she would always say the same thing, Honey, I love you. Be smart. She'd smile, and I would smile. And even as a young man, and man with grown children, her phrase of, be smart uh, 
really can best be understood by the opposite of it, which meant don't do anything stupid. We are in a moment in society today. Boy, I hope you won't throw your Bible at me, but we're in a moment in society today where people are specializing in being stupid. Uh, and please understand, again, I am not talking about mental aptitude or mental capabilities. I'm just talking about how we conduct ourselves uh, in simple class and decorum. Not only are people seemingly acting foolish and crazy and stupid, they're wanting to put it out for everybody to see and dare anybody to say anything to them. Can I pause a moment and say to you as Christians, that your testimony is the most precious thing that you have. A testimony takes years to build and moments to destroy. A testimony is the one thing that you cannot afford to compromise. You cannot afford to lose it. And I'll submit to you that if I were to say names of preachers today, you would not be reminded of perhaps the thousands that they'd led to the Lord. Instantly, what you would think about is the public sin that they committed and the testimony that they subsequently forfeited. You might be sitting there thinking, Preacher, that's really not fair that, that one little misdeed or one little isolated incident could ruin a lifetime of, of testimony creation. Let me let you in, all of us, in on a little secret about humanity. Life ain't fair. And I'm going to say to us again that phrase that my mother said to me over and over and over again, be smart is as relevant today as it was when she said it to me the first time some 45 years ago. In Scripture, of course, the Lord doesn't use the phrase, be smart, but what it says over and over and over is that David behaved himself wisely. David behaved himself wisely. From a strictly biblical meaning, that word wisely means being prudent, circumspect, considerate, and giving due attention to. I think you understand what I'm about to say. My mother wouldn't say behave yourself wisely. She would just say, be smart. Be smart. So I want to say to all of us as Christians today, the title of my message it's taken from my mother's own lips, and it's simply this. We as believers, we need to realize that it's important that we be smart. Be smart. If you're here today, you've never been gloriously saved or born again, the smartest thing you can do is accept that prickling of your heart, the convicting work of the Holy Spirit that's drawing you to God. That's the smartest thing you'll ever do. But after that, I want you to understand that your walk in Christ begins and all of us need to give due attention to what Mama said as be smart. So I want to look at three areas of the life of David where the Lord said he behaved himself wisely. And I want to submit to you this morning, these are three areas where we also need to behave ourselves wisely or to put it in mama's words, we need to be smart. Three areas. Number one, we need to be smart 
in our work life. In our work life. Go back, if you would, please, to verse number 5 of this chapter, chapter 18. Go back to verse number 5. Notice what is written about David. David went out whithersoever Saul sent him. David went out whithersoever Saul sent him. I want to remind you this morning that these verses in the opening of 1 Samuel 18 deal with how David handled the duties that had been given to him. And I want you to note with me that David's attitude of being smart or or behaving himself wisely displayed an attitude of readiness. What does that mean, Pastor? Please allow me to describe this in this manner. At this point in David's life, he was already a big deal. At this point in David's life, he was already a really big deal. In fact, uh, you will note with me uh, in subsequent verses uh, that even those around David uh, talked about what a big deal he was. Uh, When the king Saul had slain his thousands, but David had slain his ten thousands, uh, he'd already been anointed the king by Samuel. Uh, He'd already stood before the prophet or before the giant Goliath uh, and emerged victorious. David was a big deal. And there would be many in David's uh, position who would have thought certain things were beneath him. You know, you understand that that when you get to be somebody and you get to be something, and you, it's easy to get a little bit of a big head and think, I don't have to do that. That's beneath me. That's too, too little for me. But I want to submit to you this morning that as the ruler Saul gave the orders to the young David, David willingly embraced whatever he was asked to do and went wherever he was sent. Would you listen to me carefully? In our work life, physically, and in our work life, spiritually, we need to understand that we don't ever get to the point where that is too little for us to handle. I will give you an example. I was having a conversation with someone at work, and he looked at me, and he always calls me Dr. Hodges. He said, Dr. Hodges, uh, You know, I was doing this event, this activity, and I had to take out the trash myself. I looked at him lovingly, and I said, and? He said, I had to take out the trash. I looked at him, and I said, son, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, uh, but if I had to count every bag of trash I've toted off of Patrick Henry's campus uh, or every bag of trash I've toted outside of my church, uh, I would run out of fingers and toes uh, before I ever got to the tip of the iceberg. Uh, What's the point, preacher? The point is this. We don't ever get to the point uh, where something is too good for us to do. He had an attitude of readiness. That attitude of readiness gave him an awareness of his responsibility. An awareness of his responsibility. Because David behaved himself wisely, Saul promoted him over a thousand soldiers. 
In fact, when you read the scripture, it becomes very clear that on the one hand, Saul wanted to separate himself from David, but he also knew that God's hand was upon David. He'd garnered the support of the people, and so he had to promote David to a captain over a thousand, over the men of war. David is a young man, folks. David is perhaps uh, much younger than all of the men that he supervised, uh, but he'd proven himself uh, courageous as he stood before Goliath. Uh, he was the chosen heir to the throne. Listen now. He was the chosen heir to the throne, yet he waited for the Lord to advance him uh, rather than seeking to do it himself. i got to say that again because it underscores the character of David. David had already been anointed king. He'd already been told he was going to become the king. He'd already slain Goliath. He's got all of these people singing his accolades. And it would have been very easy for David to say, I've arrived, now is my time. But when Saul said, go, David went. When Saul said, jump, David jumped. When Saul said, lead, David led. I want you to understand that the best leaders are always the best followers. And we need those who are going to Seek the glory of God, not the glory of themselves. Amen. He had an attitude of readiness. Led to an awareness of responsibility. And this is my favorite point. I got a lot more to say, but if you're one of those who has one or two takeaways, I hope this is your one takeaway. David developed an admirable reputation. You see, it wasn't just Saul that thought highly of David. It wasn't just those that he supervised that thought highly of David. In fact, when you read the verses that we just read, it says even the people thought highly of David. He had an elevated reputation. Why is that so important? Can't tell you the number of times... I hear people say, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. They're not my judge. That's dangerous talk, folks. That's dangerous talk. I understand that we're not saved so as to please man. But please listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. We are ambassadors of the king. And as ambassadors, we better care what people think about us. We better care uh, when our actions uh, don't reflect those uh, of an ambassador of heaven. Uh, we better care uh, when people look at us uh, and they think, if that's a Christian, uh, I don't want anything to do with that. Uh, and I'm going to take it a step further. Uh, not only are we ambassadors of the king, uh, but members of SAGBC, we represent this church as well. Uh, so we better care uh, what people think about us uh, because what they think about us uh, is what they think about our church. Uh, and that's oftentimes what they think about Christianity as a whole. What people think matters. What people think matters. I want you to understand, nobody should think to themselves that they're going to live a life of perfection. But it should all, it should be all of our desire that we live a life that glorifies and honors the one that saved us. I'm going to say it again because you don't hear preaching about that anymore today. You don't hear preachers preach about sin anymore. But the reality is uh, we are not our own. We've been bought with a price. 
Therefore, Paul says, glorify the Lord in your body and your spirit, which are the Lord's. Amen. What people think of us is what they think of this church. And what they think of this church is what they think about the faith that we claim to display. And, and can, I, can, can we dig a little deeper? It's not just how you are outside. It's how you are behind your screen, behind your computer, behind your cell phone, what you present out on social media, the language that you use, the way you phrase it. It all matters. Amen. Why? Because you're representing heaven. You're representing this church, and I say we, we are representing the one that we say we love and saved us. David had a good reputation. By golly, we're not seeking perfection, but even Scripture says that we should live a life that's beyond reproach, such that nobody can sit back and say, look at the sin he's involved in or the sin she's involved in. It matters, folks. It matters. Number one this morning, David was smart in his work life. He was smart in his work life. Every time I preach about this, there is a memory that floods through my head. And I have to tell you, it just absolutely pricks my heart. Because it is one of those times in my life where I know I embarrassed my parents. I know that I brought shame upon them. And as God is my witness, even in my wildest days, uh, I never wanted to embarrass my parents. But there's an um, um, incident in my mind. And I'm not going to share, share it with you all because it's painful for me. But there's an incident in my mind uh, where my daddy sat me down in front of my mother who was crying and said, I'm not mad at you for what you did. I'm mad at you because of how much you've embarrassed your mother. Man, that was worse than any kind of belt whooping I'd ever had. And I'd had a few of them too. That was more painful than anything I'd ever experienced. And I thought to myself uh, then, even though I was living a life that was shameful, uh, I would never bring that kind of embarrassment upon my family again. God is my witness, uh, I want to do the same thing to my heavenly Father as well. Because though my family has given me much, uh, it, pales in, it, it pales in comparison to what my heavenly Father has given me. Uh, and as God is my witness, I don't ever want to do anything uh, that's going to embarrass them or him again. Number one, he was smart in his work life. But number two, he was smart in his daily walk. And again, understand, I'm not talking about smart intelligence. David was a brilliant man, uh, but you can be, again, mama's words, dumb as a box of rocks and still be smart. Look, if you would, please, at verse 14. Verse 14. David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. The Lord was with him. Lord was with him. You see, David was a man of integrity. David was a man of who displayed integrity. Would you listen to me carefully, folks? You can be as poor as a church mouse and still have integrity. You, you don't, integrity has nothing to do with how much money you got in your wallet, 
has nothing to do with how much uh, the the kind of clothes you wear, the kind of car you drive, uh, the kind of people you hang around. Integrity has to do with who you are when nobody else is looking. It is a subject that we have forgotten about today. Integrity says, I'm going to work for what's mine. I'm not going to take it from somebody else. Uh, Integrity says, amen, we could park right there for about an hour, couldn't we? Integrity says uh, that I'm going to be the man or the woman uh, that does not try to rob, blind, steal, or something from someone else, but I'll work for what is mine. Uh, I'll live right. I'll act right. I'll speak right. I'll do right uh, when eyes are upon me and when they are not upon me. One very famous preacher said it like this, who you are is not who you are when everybody's looking at you. Who you are is who you are when nobody's looking at you. Integrity is not what you do when eyes are upon you. Integrity is what you do when no eyes are upon you. Integrity is what you do when nobody's watching you. And we need, God is my witness, we need people today who are people of integrity. I'm going to be blunt this morning, out of love. There's church people today across our world uh, who do things and act in ways that 50 years ago a lost person wouldn't have done. Amen. We conduct ourselves in ways and we say things that hiding behind the anonymity of a computer screen. We do things today uh, that a lost person wouldn't do 10 years ago. That's not a person of integrity. Integrity is doing right when nobody else is looking. David was a man of integrity. And consequently... That next clause stings my heart because I love it. It says, and the Lord was with him. Why? Because he lived right. Why? Because he did right. Why? Because he was a man of integrity. Because he was a person who thought well of his reputation. He was a person who was worried about doing the right thing in the right way. And consequently, David honored the Lord and the Lord honored David. You know what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. You're not saved by living right. But God honors people who live right. God honors people who live right. You're never promised uh, that you won't walk through the fire. Uh, You've never promised uh, that you won't walk through the fiery trials of circumstance. Uh, But for those of you who, like me, uh, can look back at the time of your life uh, when you walked away from God uh, and how much you disappointed God, uh, thankfully he took you back. And look how good he's been to you uh, since you came back. David honored the Lord. The Lord honored David. Walk of integrity. But he also had a walk of influence. He had a walk of influence. Jump to verse 15 quickly. Same chapter. Wherefore, when Saul saw him, that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David. All Israel and Judah loved David. David. Again, I got to read between the lines just a little bit. Saul knew that the hand of blessing had been upon Saul. Saul knew when it said the Lord was with him that God had guided him and, 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 and used his life in such a way. But I think he also knew when his hand went off of Saul and went on to David. 
I think he also knew uh, that there was something very special about David, uh, that David was different, uh, that he wasn't like everybody else, uh, that he had a desire to live right, uh, and that David uh, stood out from amongst the crowd. Uh, we, we, we get to a point, uh, all of us, uh, when we're in our teenage years, we have this great desire to fit in and blend in uh, when we're told in Scripture, do just the opposite, stand out and be different. David was a shining example. Listen, young people, teenagers, young adults, listen. David was a shining example of how somebody is looking for somebody that will stand out so they can stand out with them. Let me say that again. David is a shining example how so many are looking for someone who will live right so that they can join in and live right with them. i got to share this with you. I have a, in my office at work, I have a strange little piece of paper in a frame in, a, in my desk drawer. It's part of the evaluation process. Annually, administrators get evaluated. And we not only get a numerical evaluation, but we get written comments as well. We don't know who they're from. They're, they're, they're done intentionally with anonymity. So the supervisor collects the comments, selects the numbers, aggregates them, and then goes over the evaluation. I've been very fortunate to receive a lot of wonderful evaluations, but there is one comment that I cut out, uh, framed, uh, and set it in my desk. It's not for anybody to see, but just me. I'm going to tell you what it says. Comment came in. It says, Dr. Hodges is a shining example of a Christian executive in the modern workplace. He conducts himself with grace, decorum, and Christ-like integrity. Now, I'm not bragging on me, but I'm going to tell you, there are days, that, listen now, this is why I'm telling you this, there are days where I'd like to rip into somebody. Plug your ears, Dr. Godwin. There are days when I would like to unleash a whole load of you-know-what on you-know-who. And when I get to that point, I will pull out that little frame and remind myself i got to be what she or he thinks I really am. I can't do that because suddenly what is supposed to be Christ-like integrity becomes a whole lot of embarrassment to somebody. Let me go quickly. Smart in our work life. Smart in our daily life. And finally, smart in our ways. Smart in our ways. Quickly go to verse 30. Quickly go to verse 30. Then the princes of the Philistines went forth. That means uh, that, that the quickly the anger of the Philistines rose because of the defeat of Goliath, the promotion of David. You understand that David becomes a prime target now. David's got a bullseye on his back. And I'll say to you quickly, the closer you live for God, the bigger the bullseye gets. The more you publicly try to do right, uh, the more the enemy will try to destroy your testimony and your influence. And so at this point, uh, as the prince of the Philistines go out uh, in an effort to, to try to destroy David, uh, David lives right in spite of difficulty. Look at again verse 30. Princes of the Philistines went forth. It came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely. This, this speaks to me in ways I can't even begin to tell you. It means this. It's easy to live right when everything is going right. 
It is easy to live right when there are no problems, no trials, no circumstances. But when the chips begin to fall and when you're in the bullseye of the enemy of the world, when you're in the bullseye, that's when we really got to chuck it up and live right. Because David is a shining example that being smart when faced with trials is when we have to be the most smart. Again, little confession. When I get overwhelmed, pipe down. When I get when I get when I when I get when I get really tired, when I get really overwhelmed, I get really short. Not a girl. <laughs> and I can cut like that. I can say some of the most biting things when I get over. Why? Because I'm angry. Because I'm short. Because I'm overwhelmed. Listen, here's where I'm getting with you. got to get this. If I don't make myself not do it, I will do it. Now, I know some of you are looking at me going, but wait a minute, you're the preacher. Yes, but I'm also a man. Amen. With the same trials and the tribulations and problems and burdens uh, that you all have. Uh, and so if I'm not real careful uh, when I get real overwhelmed or real wore out, uh, then I can get real short uh, and say some things uh, that the moment they go out, I wish I could suck that right. I can't do it. So when the obstacles come, when difficulty comes, uh, we've got to be smart. Now you can say amen, honey. There you go, girl. Not only when faced with difficulty, I'm done. When faced with distinction. When faced with distinction. Look at the last phrase. Let's read all of verse 30 again. I'm done. Princes of the Philistines went forth. It came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul. Wow. Than all the servants of Saul. So that his name was much set by. For the sake of time, I can't go into all of that's going on culturally at this point, but I will simply tell you that now the Philistines are about to raise a nasty attack against the Israelites. The people of God are faced with a, with a major enemy, consumed with fear, and they need someone who's going to live right, act right, and do right to give them hope. And David rose to the occasion. The nation looked on, David led, behaved himself wisely, became esteemed among his peers, and everybody took notice. So let me give you a really important application. You can close your Bibles. This is really important application. Mamas and daddies and grandmas and grandpas, look right here. Our children deserve parents and grandparents who act smart. I can't tell you how many times I've watched kids apologize for the way their parents act. You understand it ought to be the other way around. Amen. Our children deserve parents and grandparents uh, who act right. Uh, our world deserves Christians who will be smart, and our churches need members who will be smart. Conduct themselves wisely. Conduct themselves wisely. I'm done with this little simple story. A few days. I promise you, 
When my mother passed, I wasn't going to inundate you with stories, and I've tried not to do that, but this one's an important one. The Lord was very gracious to us in my mother's passing, very gracious. My mother at 6 a.m. on March the 26th decided on her own accord that she was going to stop all treatment. I was there in the hospital, and the doctors came in and said, Miss Hodges, the cancer has spread, and began to tell all the places it's gone everywhere. They began to outline all the things they were going to do, the brain treatments, the lung treatments, the kidney treatments, the liver treatments, just on and on and on and on and on. And I'm trying to keep it together because I know what this means. And my mother, in all her southern grace and decorum, looked up at the doctor and said, no, thank you. And the doctor said, excuse me? He said, she said, no, thank you. I'm done. So the doctor said, Miss Hodges, do you know what that means? Yes, so we know what that means. Understand my mother's mental capacity has been declining at this point. Uh, that day we called everyone in, and the Lord gave us the most wonderful day. My mother could remember everything. I mean, just like that. And God is my witness. Uh, she begins to go through who's going to get what. I think I've showed you this. Uh, who's going to get this car, and who's going to get that car, and who's going to get... And my daddy goes, Shirley, you understand you've given away everything. What am I supposed to do, Walk. He said, Shirley, you gave away my truck. And she just looks over at him and she smiles. She calls me over and we sat down and she took my hand and she said, I'm so proud of you. But remember, be smart. Be smart. And in her little way of saying, she said, even though I'm gone, don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass me. Be smart. Done my best to do that with one exception. She gave me her really, really old mercury. Really old mercury. And when she gave it to me, she said, you got to promise me something, Greg. And I said, what, Mama, anything? She said, don't junk it up. God is my witness, I will never forget on that last wonderful day of my mother's cognitive abilities grabbing my hand and saying, son, be smart. Nothing to do with what's going on up here and everything to do with how folks look at you. We say it doesn't matter, but boy, does it ever. Let's stand to our feet this morning. <clears throat> be smart. Be smart. One famous preacher of yesteryear had an incredible service or incredible sermon with a very simple phrase, just do right. Just do right. Heads bowed and eyes closed very quick this morning. Not going to have a long invitation. Nobody's looking. How many of you would, in the audience this morning, again, nobody's looking. How many of you in the audience this morning would say, Pastor, spoke to me some areas that I need to work on areas I need to give some attention to pray for me there's a lot of hands going up I appreciate that here's what I'm going to ask you to do do the smart thing right now and just come on down to this altar don't worry about who's looking just come on down to this altar name those areas where you need some attention name those areas where you need a little bit of work and ask the Lord just to help you be smart in those areas
Is there anyone here this morning that would say, Pastor, I need to make the decision, the smartest decision. I know I'm lost. I'm not going to heaven. But I can feel the Spirit of God convicting my heart, telling me I need to be saved. Pray for me. Is anyone like that? Preacher, I'm lost. I don't want to go to hell this morning. Anyone like that? Father, bless the invitation. May it be what you'd have it to be. Brother Ken, sing for us this morning. Just a verse. One verse, if you need to come, come this morning. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in Jesus, Sing one more verse. quickly this morning. Haley, in the back, raise your hand, sweetheart. I'm not going to bear you. I just want you to raise your hand. I want everybody to take mighty pretty little girl. It's a young lady that came to get saved this morning. I want you to pray for her. The Lord will bless her. Brother and Sister Harris, y'all, amen. Brother and Sister Harris, y'all come on up here this morning. Randy and Alan, yep, y'all come on up, Randy and Alan. Love, love, love these precious couples. They've come to unite with our church. And, 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 amen. Give them a, that's a good, that's good. <clears throat> and you know, my wife is uh, full of sympathy and all kinds of stuff and brother Andy came up to me yesterday and said what do we need to, to do to join and my wife overheard and she said well doggone it's about time all in favor if you'll say aye come around and shake hands precious couple love the Lord we love them father thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today God it's been good to feel your presence thank you for the ones saved uh, these that are joining Lord may we ever be what you'd have us to be in this community help us to think about uh, Lord that we behave ourselves wisely Lord, we love you and we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Fellowship with each other. Come back with us tonight, 6 o'clock this evening.